Well, I want to start this morning by making a confession. I am a 37-year-old man, and I am afraid of the dark. It's true, I am afraid of the dark. I have night lights all over my house so that in, at, at night I can see around the house. I, I don't like the dark. Uh, a few months ago, I went on a uh, trip down to Jamaica. And uh, it was a ministry trip, and I stayed at this retreat center. And I stayed and slept in a log cabin that was one room with a bathroom, and that was it. And as I'm going to bed, I turned on the bathroom light, and I closed the door to let some light shine in the room because I hate waking up in the dark in the middle of the night. So I go to bed, and uh, I wake up in the middle of the night, and sure enough, as often is the case in third world countries, the electricity went off in the middle of the night. And so I wake up in complete darkness, and I get this little bit of anxiety and nervousness and feeling, and of course, I feel over on the table next to the bed, and there's my trusty iPhone, and I hit the button, and all of a sudden, the light comes on on the phone, and it lights up the room, and now I can see, and, and thankfully, I can breathe again. So... You don't believe me, but I really am afraid of the dark. And you know what? I did some research this week, and they said that uh, only 5% of all adults are afraid of the dark. Well, I think everybody's lying. I, I find that hard to be true. They said that being afraid of the dark is most prevalent in ages 4 to 6, in children ages 4 to 6, and that by age 9, the fear begins to decrease. The same research speculated on the possible reasons. One said, well, it had something to do with separation anxiety. Another guy said that the fear of darkness is rooted in our ancient ancestors' legitimate fear of being eaten by wild animals. <laughs> Can I tell you why I'm afraid of the dark? I'm afraid of the dark because you can't see in the dark. People are afraid of the dark because you can't see. You know what it's like to walk around in the dark. You've had the power go out at your house and needed to get a flashlight or light a candle. When you can't see, you stumble around. You're, you feel helpless and vulnerable. You feel powerless, even anxious and insecure. If the power was to go out in this room right now, there would be this sense of anxiety and this increased sense of urgency to get those lights back on so that we could all see. You know what? Just to test it, let's turn off the lights. I'm just kidding. Okay. The truth is that many people, many people walk through life like this. They don't walk through life, though, in a physical darkness. They walk through life in a spiritual darkness. And the Bible says that darkness is often correlated with the ways of the world. If walking in spiritual darkness means living according to the standards of the world. Walking in spiritual darkness is believing the lies of the world. Walking in spiritual darkness is seeing the world and seeing life as the world sees it. When you live in spiritual darkness, you live with uncertainty. And you live an insecure and anxious life. You stumble around trying to feel your way through life, never really sure where life is going or what life holds ahead for you. That's not a fun way to live. And there's little hope and there's little peace in this kind of life. But the good news is that Jesus says we don't have to live like that. We don't have to live in spiritual darkness. In fact, Jesus offers himself as a light in the midst of our darkness. He says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We live in a world where light, by definition, makes vision possible. A lamp on a nightstand helps you see what you're reading. Headlights on a car help you see where you're driving. Uh, street lights help you see where you're walking. Light helps us see clearly. Instead of walking through life, stumbling around in the darkness, Jesus offers us himself as a source of light, illuminating our lives with spiritual truth and spiritual understanding so that we can view our lives in light of Jesus. And we can possess a genuine hope, a genuine peace, regardless of the circumstances. This is why Jesus came. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus brought us from the darkness into the light. Isaiah 42, 7 tells us, Jesus came to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Jesus opened our eyes so that we could see the spiritual truths of life, and he shined his light into our hearts so that we can know who God really is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When God draws you into a relationship with himself, and you put your faith and your trust in Christ, and you submit your life to Jesus as Lord and King, he gives you a gift. It's the gift of salvation. Better than that, he gives you himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit enters into our spirit, he gives us new life, and he opens our eyes so that we can see. I love that classic hymn, Amazing Grace. I love that first line. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Colossians 1 tells us, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So there are really only two ways to live our lives. We can either walk in the darkness or we can walk in the light. And here's the challenge, though, and here's the tension that we as Christians can face. We can have a relationship with God. We can have experienced salvation from the darkness. But as Christians, we can still walk around in darkness in the various areas of our life. Jesus came to give us spiritual sight. If you're taking notes today, you want to take notes, this might be a good place to start. Jesus came to give us spiritual sight to see things as they truly are so we could walk in the light and not in the dark. The Apostle Paul addressed this very issue with the early church in the book of Ephesians. He said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So many of us in this room would call ourselves Christians, and we tend to... We tend to live in the spiritual light for the most part, but I want us to just spend the rest of our time this morning, and I want to walk through six major areas of our lives 
just briefly, and I want us to essentially walk through these areas of our lives and shine a light and allow Jesus and the truth of his word to speak to our hearts and to illuminate ourselves. And let's just kind of see if we're viewing our lives in light of who Jesus is. Number one, let's start with your view of God. Now, our relationship with God is the most important aspect of our lives. We've talked a lot about this in the previous sermon series in the last couple of months uh, in the Follow Me series. But let's briefly touch on it. Now, the world will tell you things like this. The world is going to say that God cannot be known and that all religions and all faiths are the same and that even if you can know God, he's not a personal God that loves you or really cares about you. That's not true. That's walking in spiritual darkness God is not just a nice concept or idea. God is, God is someone that we can have an intimate relationship with. The Bible says that God can be known and that we can be known by God. Now, listen, I know all of us are at different places in our spiritual journey and in our relationship with God. Some of you sitting in this room this morning, you've, been, you've had a relationship with God your whole life since your childhood. Others of you are reconnecting with God for the first time after many years. Some of you have just started a relationship with God. And still others, you may find yourself sitting here this morning, and, and you're still not sure about where you stand in your view of who God is and in your relationship with him. Regardless, I want you to know, I want to simply point out that you don't have to stumble along in the darkness in your view of God. You don't have to have any uncertainty or a lack of clarity about your relationship with God, about who he is, or about how you need to view him. In light of Jesus, you can view your relationship with God according to some simple, basic biblical truths. Here they are. God loves you. God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He demonstrated his love for you by dying on the cross and paying for your sins. And God is eagerly pursuing a love relationship with you. He wants to engage in relationship with you and in conversation with you. He wants to walk with you on a daily basis. He sees you as his child. And he wants you to relate to him as your heavenly father. And that leads us to the second area of our lives I want us to take a look at in light of Jesus. Your view of yourself. Number two, your view of yourself. This may be one of the most common areas of, of our lives where as Christians we still walk in the darkness because we believe the lies of the world and we view ourselves according to what the world says about us as individuals. The world says what? That our identity and our value comes from our physical appearance, or from what others think about us or other, other people's opinions about us, whether we fit in socially or not. The world says that our value and our identity come from the people that we know or the things that we have or our occupation and what we do. But if you're a Christian, in light of Jesus, you no longer have to question your identity. You no longer have to doubt your value, but you can view yourself the way God views you. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Allow the light of Jesus to remind you this morning to view yourself clearly. that You've been chosen by God. That God chose you intentionally. 
He adopted you. You're a member of his family. You're a member of royalty. You're a new creation. All of your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. You're no longer condemned. You don't have to carry around guilt and shame anymore. You have a hope and an eternal inheritance in Christ. This is who you are in light of who Jesus is. Okay, the third area we're going to look at. As we're walking through our lives, shining the light. Number three, let's look at our view of others. So we, our view of God, our view of ourselves, our view of others. In light of Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In fact, according to the scriptures, there are only two types of people in the world. There are lost people and found people. There are those who have a relationship with God and those who don't. There are believers and unbelievers. There are those who are blind, and there are those who can see. As Christians, our eyes have been opened to see people, the people in our life, your family members, your spouse, your parents, your extended family, your in-laws, your friends and your neighbors, your coworkers. In light of Jesus, we see them differently now. Specifically, those that don't know Jesus. We see them now as lost sheep without a shepherd. That's why a couple of weeks ago, we ended the Follow Me series with the one card. And we challenged you all, and we, as a congregation, as a church family, we were challenged to write down one person. Who's one person that you know in your life that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know the great shepherd? We can do our part by praying for them and by investing in them and by inviting them into our life and into our church family. So in Christ, our view of the lost has changed. They're lost. They're blind. But our view of Christians should change also in light of Jesus. We don't walk around in darkness when we view other Christians. Instead, we see other Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God. So let me just say this. If you've got a conflict right now with a fellow Christian and you've got some tension there and maybe they've hurt you or, or maybe there's some misunderstanding and miscommunication, let me remind you that the Bible says over 40 different times throughout the New Testament that we're called to love one another. The Bible says it in many different ways. They're all the one another's of Scripture. And it talks about it in the context of fellow believers and sisters in Christ. Here's some of those one another's. You're called to love one another. You're called to serve one another, forgive one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, pray for one another, consider others better than yourselves. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. One of the last things that Jesus prayed before he was taken to the cross, he prayed for unity among his church and his believers. Pray that God would bring unity and peace between you and your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's look at the fourth area of our lives, and that's number four, how we view this world, your view of this world. In light of Christ, we see the world differently. The world says, this life is it. This life is it. You only have one life, live it to the fullest. That's what the world says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this world is not our home. 
And Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And the world we live in today is just temporary. Now, summer is just around the corner, regardless of what the weather may feel like outside. The calendar says summer is coming. So I'm going to believe the calendar that summer is just a few weeks away. And with summer, we take vacations. Some of you all may have even come off of a spring break, spring break vacation this past week. But when we go on vacation... We tend to live a little bit differently, don't we? Why do we tend to live differently on vacation than when we do in normal life? Because we know it's temporary. So we, don't, we try not to let things stress us out as much. We try not to worry as much. We don't get as attached to that nice rental car or the hotel room or, or where we stay because we know that we, we're going to leave those things. We hold on loosely to them. They're temporary. In light of Jesus, this world... And everything that consists in this world is temporary. So let me address area number five. Your view of pain and disappointment. Some of you are sitting in this room this morning, and you're in a season of great pain and disappointment. And you may hear the words, yeah, the world is temporary, but my pain makes it feel like it's going to last forever. And you're disappointed and about some things in your life, some, some things the way life hasn't unfolded the way you would have liked. Maybe this morning you need to hear the Lord say this to you. It's not always going to be this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, listen to this, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Last week, I visited with a close friend and mentor of mine named Kurt. Kurt and his wife, Kristen, have been a tremendous blessing to me and to my wife, Paige. Uh, over the years, they've served as just uh, friends and encouragement and mentors. And a little over a year ago, Kristen was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. And eight weeks ago, uh, at the age of 45, she passed away. And it's been a painful, uh, frustrating, and if I was really candid with you, at times a deeply discouraging couple of months. For Kurt, for their four kids, for everybody that was around them, for my wife and I. And last week I asked Kurt, I said, How, how's your relationship with God? Where is Jesus in the midst of this darkness right now? And he said, God has been faithful and God has comforted and encouraged he and the kids in many ways. But he said, there's one truth that has kept him in the light. One truth more than anything else. And it's simply this. His wife is not dead. According to the Bible, according to the light of who Jesus is and what he says he has done, and according to the promises we have in Scripture, that today Kristen is more alive than she ever has been. And he knows that his separation from her is only temporary and that she is now face-to-face -face with her Lord and her Savior, the one in whom she loved and pursued her whole life. And see, even in the midst of the darkness, for a grieving spouse and a grieving husband, he's able to hold on to the source of light that is Jesus and the truth that is Jesus. Revelation 21.4 says... Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's going to be no more death or mourning 
or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Listen, God's not going to waste your pain. God never wastes pain. He's going to use it. What Satan means for evil, God will use for good. In fact, Romans 8 tells us that God works all things together in our life for our good and for his glory. And the key, the key phrase there is it's for our good. And the good is given to us in the next verse there in Romans 8. The good is that he's going to transform us into the image of Christ. And that leads us to the sixth area of our life where Jesus shines his light and gives us a clear view. And that's our view of success. Our view of success. Jesus shines light on what true success is. In Christ, we no longer measure success the way the world measures success. The world defines success in accomplishment and achievement, acquiring material possessions, cars, houses, vacations, clothes, and oftentimes, Christians can understand that. And they say, yeah, I, I, don't, de- I don't determine my success. That's, that doesn't determine my success. I found where I struggle is buying into the lie of the world that success is living a comfortable and enjoyable life. And if we live a comfortable and enjoyable life, we're living a successful life. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's walking in spiritual darkness. Jesus said, in this world, we'll have trouble but to take heart, I've overcome the world. See, God cares more about the character of your heart than the accomplishments of your life. Success, in God's eyes, is more about your holiness than your happiness. So let me just say a a quick word here about sin. Because when you start talking about light and darkness and you look at the passages of Scripture throughout the New Testament that address this issue, you can't get away from it. It always addresses sin. When you walk in the dark, you minimize sin in your life. You tell yourself that sin's no big deal. You can actually rationalize and make an argument for yourself that your sin really isn't sin. But Ephesians 5 tells us this, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. When you walk in the darkness, you keep sin a secret. The Bible tells us to drag our sin into the light And there's hope in the light. James 5.16 says, confess your sins and you you will be healed. That when you walk in the light, you bring your sin into the light. You can be free from the burdens of that sin. You know, when you think about success and successful people, you think about the Apostle Paul. And if we were to view the Apostle Paul's life in light of the world's standards and how the world defines success, the Apostle Paul probably didn't live a very successful life. This is a guy who was beaten, uh, brought nearly to death multiple times, was rejected over and over again, wandered throughout the countryside where he lived over and over, never really had a home, didn't have a lot of accomplishments in the world's eyes. But Paul knew that true success was remaining faithful and obedient to God. That that's how the Bible defines success, as faithful and obedient. Paul said in, towards the end of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. Listen to what he says. I have kept the faith, and now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, success, which is the Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So let me just say this. Let me ask you this question. Today, is there an area of your life where you need to step out of the darkness and into 
the light. Maybe your view of God, you need to allow Jesus to shine his light on your view and your understanding of who God is and how God wants to relate to you. Maybe it's your view of yourself and how you're determining your self-value and your worth and maybe even how you're determining and defining your success in life. Or maybe it's your view of others and it's someone you're having some conflict with or it's maybe it's just a, a neighbor who you're not having a conflict with them, you just don't know them, but you do know that they don't know Christ and they need, they need to be introduced to your great shepherd. What area of your life today is God asking you to step out of darkness and into the light? Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful that you loved us so much that your word says you sent him to die on the cross for our sins. I am so thankful, Jesus, that you knew that success of life was about obedience and faithfulness. And you, Hebrews says that you obeyed and was, you were faithful all the way to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for paying for our sins. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have in that. God, thanks for bringing light into our life. God, thank you for illuminating our eyes so that we can see life as you see it. I pray, Father, that you would continue to help us to see the truth of your word. Help us to see you as you want us to see us, to see ourselves, to see others, to view our lives in light of you, Jesus. You said, if anyone would follow you, we wouldn't walk in darkness, but we'd have the light of life. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.